Definitely. AJ Preller. Do if he was here right now. He'd make a plan and he'd follow through. That's what AJ Preller. AJ Preller. I was in the Olympic skating for the gold. He did two sound cows and a triple. That's while wearing a blindfold. AJ Preller. I was in the Alps fighting grizzly bears. He used his magical fire breath and saved the maiden's bed. AJ Preller. If he were here today, I'm sure he'd kick an ass or two. AJ Preller. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Intelligence Podcast, live from Jagoff Manor. I am David Marver of Change the Padres, obviously with Jagoff. Yeah, welcome, Marver. This is a it's a momentous day for Padres fans again because mm-hmm. we're all getting to watch a spring training game, and I don't think there's ever been this level of anticipation for a spring training game in recent memory. Yeah, I. Uh... I definitely bookmarked this game on the spring training schedule. I don't know if I've bookmarked a spring training game ever in my life, but Paddock starting, Tatis playing, it was going to get me to watch for sure. I am not disappointed. I'm not disappointed at no. all. No, I'm I'm actually very encouraged, and uh, I know we were going to lead off by starting about Bryce Harper, by talking about Bryce Harper, but let's actually talk about Chris Paddock today because he looked really good. Really good. And he actually showed off a curveball, which, you know, look, How many it was a curveball. I saw the I saw one two. that they had the highlight of, which dropped in for a strike. I'm pretty sure I saw two, but I wasn't watching every pitch like super on, so I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, obviously a really strong performance. And I just want to ask a question right away. Do you think he should break camp with the team? Obviously, it's one start. Yeah. But I, I think, okay, there's a few things. He didn't play very much last year. He had like 17 starts the whole season. How many of those were above high a like seven or eight something like that they were outstanding Mm -hmm. um and it's not unheard of for players to jump from that level up to the big leagues right i mean jake pv did it Yeah, jake pv moved straight from double a up to here uh the average fan i think would be like well what about service time you know why 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 would we give him up for an extra year and more so than the case with tatis i think with pitchers you you should use them up as quick as you can yeah like like there is like a finite number of pitches in that arm mm-hmm. and I, I guess i feel like six years is probably a long shelf life for a lot of pitchers yeah i i i kind of feel the same way it's like you're what would be the point so you, you hold them out until may say so that you can have that extra year of service time control so that you get that seventh year out of them which isn't tr- a true seventh year because it's really like six and three quarters of a year mm-hmm. right but in doing so, you risk him getting hurt now, which you'd rather have him throw innings at the major league level and then get hurt, right? So the, at least you get that sliver of playing at the major league level. Um, also, it's like how often do pitchers actually last seven years? It's just like pretty rare. Right. I mean, if you just look at the free agents available next offseason and look at where they were seven years ago, you know, there are a lot of guys on that list who are not desirable to own now or to have on your baseball team now that were incredibly desirable just you know where they were in paddock situation like take matt harvey for example right i think using players or for arms i think keeping them down for service time just doesn't make nearly as much sense as it does for say fernando tatis jr who i think we're both in agreement should stay in the minor leagues until whatever period of time that allows us to keep him for that seventh year right yeah so i'm i'm fine with paddock breaking camp with the team i've been saying for a while i've been saying since the middle of last year that he's the best pitcher the potters have I think for a while, like like now, like he would be the best pitcher on the major league roster. Now, granted, the the projections don't say that, but they do say that he'd be a pretty useful player already in limited innings. By the way, so I'm I I'm wondering because I, there's there's a pretty big gap. I mean, the traditional scouting opinion is right. You need th- three pitches to be a quality starter. It's just that with Paddock, 
there's this constant gap between the general scouting uh, beliefs on mm-hmm. what he should be based on his velocity and his pitch mix and stuff and what the performance actually yeah. has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that makes me wonder, should, should he be ranked higher, like in the system? Like I, I was actually reading Sackbunk Dustin put out uh, his top 30 for prospects today in his newsletter. Um, and, you know, the standard is to have, what, Tatis first, Gore second or third, Urias somewhere in the top three. Yeah. Is it all that crazy to think that Paddock is is one of the top three prospects, like arguably ahead of Urias on this on this team? Like, I, I don't think that's a crazy proposition. I don't think it's a crazy proposition either. I wouldn't be like if someone had Paddock ranked second. I think it would be crazy to not have Tatis first, right? Despite the that's fact that given. he has, yeah, despite the fact that he might have some faults, some things he hasn't proven yet, and he's obviously very young. Injury at the end of last year, like I think you. You're kind of out of your mind if he's not first, just based on his upside and proximity to major leagues. If you have Paddock second, I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, I've been on the Paddock train longer than anyone. When we acquired him, I said at the time I thought he was a top 100 prospect in baseball. A lot of people laughed at that, but you know, in retrospect now, I'm looking pretty good on that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, you look at – obviously, he's had the arm problem, right? He got hurt. Almost everyone gets hurt. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his performance – not just you know last year at double a and high a but before that as you know right out of high school and everything he's following the same trajectory as the top arms in baseball out of high school he's following the justin verlander cole hamill's trajectory almost to a t if you look at performance wise um the discontinuity between scouting reports on him i don't put too much stock in that uh to be honest with you i think particularly with guys like that have you know, epic control. I feel like that is just maybe a little bit undervalued in the scouting community because the scouts are really looking, they're looking for tools, right? And I don't know if, if control is, is looked at as a tool quite the same way as high end velocity or break on a, you know, breaking pitch or whatever. So it doesn't, it doesn't concern me too much. I, I, all I look at today is, um, you know, the question I just ask is if it was world series game seven tomorrow, who would you want starting for the Padres? Um, Paddock's pretty high on that list for me. I would I would say whoever you rank at the top five on that list is probably who you should break camp with, unless you're putting a Mackenzie Gore. I mean, as, you know, in, who's in even higher group. right now? Like, I mean, maybe Lucchese because he has a year under his belt at the major league level. He's a bit older. He's lefty. I mean, um, he, he did had, all those he had numbers a year of generally mediocre pitching, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say overall it was it was mediocre. Pretty high walk numbers, home run numbers weren't great, but the strikeout total was really good, mm-hmm. almost elite. And so, I don't mean that as an insult on Lucchese, mm-hmm. but but I mean. No, there's just not a high-end pitcher on the roster. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's an indictment of the and overall to be quality. Honest, there's, there's not that many. I mean, there are some in the system, but it's not like every pitching prospect in the system is a high-end pitcher. You know, Logan Allen's a, a mid-to-bottom rotation pitcher, which is good. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Paddock is a guy that you can kind of see with the mentality and hopefully the performance to be a top-of-the-rotation pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. And not just that, but I, I think, you know, obviously there's the arm problem. And so you want to limit his innings, but I think long term he's the type of guy that will probably run fairly efficient inning by inning in terms of pitch count, just because he's not going to be walking too many guys. Mm-hmm. He's going to be throwing a lot of strikes, which will induce contact, hopefully weak contact. I see him as a, t- a guy who could potentially end up eating, you know, not many guys throw 200 innings anymore, but being a 200 inning sort of workhorse, top half of the rotation arm, and accumulating a lot of value, if, if not through having elite, you know, FIP numbers or whatever, but by having so many innings 
at above average that he becomes, you know, a four war pitcher. I wouldn't be shocked if he led the I mean, I actually have an open bet this year with Menzria on who will have the highest uh, war in the entire Padres starting pitching staff. Who did he take? So I took Chris Paddock. He can only take one person. I believe he took Joey Lucchese, which Ugh. which would be the sec, which in my opinion is the next best pick, right? So I think it's a fairly good bet at this uh, point. Menti's going to do a lot of losing this year on well. bets, I think. I don't know. You uh, might own McKeg after the Machado signing. Has, they have to get to 83 wins. That's still a stretch. I it think. is. A, I think that is a stretch. But um, one thing to know with Paddock, he's 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 a rookie, but he's not a young rookie anymore like he's 23 right now so yep. you keep him for an extra year and what you take it into the his his almost into his year 30 season mm-hmm. like that's not a great time for most pitchers obviously there's exceptions there's mm-hmm. max scherzer there's a lot of you know exceptions to the rule but if you're betting on it like you want those early to mid 20 years with pitchers yeah i think you just take value where you can get it and and, and he's on an innings limit this this year probably like, almost definitely yeah so why not just have it in? I mean, they're going to shut him down anyways mid year. So let's let's get him up here and see what he does. Work with the pitching coach. I mean, that's been what the team has said for years now, right? When they called up Hedges prematurely, that whatever the effect on service time is, it's offset by the work with the major league team and being around the major league players, right? Yeah. And so in the case of Paddock, where clearly he has the performance to be up here and it demeanor looks like. yeah, and, and demeanor. demeanor and that's yeah. a big thing mm-hmm. because he's going to get shelled at some point he's gonna be a fan favorite by the way of course he's gonna absolutely yeah. light up east county <laughs> and poway uh, well especially poway yeah Poway's... redundant redundant statement my bad yeah i, I do want to do a victory lap i was looking this up today because there was a big text a twitter string on east county and the wikipedia that i edited a long time ago still lists the uh, Tony Gwynn statue in Poway as a East County landmark. Oh, excellent. So, excellent. They've wiped everything except for that, but mm. I'd like to I'd like to claim that as a victory for myself. Yeah, unfortunately the Bakersfield Wikipedia page that I edited my sophomore year of college uh, has changed and so the entry that listed one of my friend's sisters as the co-author of Anal Amateurs and an underground Bukaki star no longer exists on the Bakersfield Wikipedia page. That's too yeah. bad, but it's always going to be in the uh, revisions page for that. That's true. So. That's true. Yeah. Um, the big news, I guess, is as for us greedy and selfish Padres fans is demanding that the team sign Bryce Harper now also, right? Yeah. I mean, that's obviously the, the red herring right now on Padres Twitter It's or the elephant in the room is – all the discussion on Harper and it's it's reached kind of like a fever pitch for me in, in the sense that it's actually an interesting discussion. I think the Machado thing was not an interesting discussion. The the detractors on that point who were pointing towards the Johnny Hustle comments and whatever were you know those were poorly constructed arguments that I don't think anyone reasonable would latch on to. Uh, but the Harper one is actually kind of an interesting debate. To be honest with you, I'm on the I'm very firmly on the pro sign Bryce Harper mm-hmm. wagon. Now, uh, obviously, giving out another 10, 10 year, three hundred and thirty or whatever million dollar contract, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of risk the team has taken on this offseason if they do that. But at the same time, it's another generational talent in my opinion. Someone who has a skill set that we don't have. You know, you're talking three ninety plus on base percentage on the Potters right now. I'm not sure anyone has. I think Machado has that upside, obviously, but I don't think anyone's a bankable 360-plus on base percentage type player. Um, I mean, the hope is Hosmer is, right? But, mm-hmm. but that's... But I don't think that's bankable. Kind of I mean, stretch. I think that's... Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, on the upper quartile of their likely, you know, output this year. But it's not like, 
you know, Bryce Harper, you can kind of write home he's going to hit, th- you know, have a 360 on base percentage, even in a terrible BABIP season, probably. Right. right. So I think and Hosmer, even at his peak, never got up to Bryce Harper's on base level. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's essentially, if, if you told me to pick someone in base, well, I'd probably pick Joey Votto. But if you gave, told me to pick someone else, well, I'd probably pick Mike Trout. But then, then it would probably be Harper, right? Like he's, he's that high up there and he's only played through his age 25 year. He turned 26 in October. So to me, obviously, you know, there are questions, you know, what do you do after that? Um, maybe we can discuss those in terms of, you know, then all of a sudden you do have a glut of corner outfielders, right? You would have Myers, who's at this point a corner outfielder, um, nowhere else to play him, even on the diamond. <clears throat> don't even talk to me about center field. You don't want to talk about center field? No. And then you have Renfro and uh, Framil Reyes, obviously, for one corner outfield spot. So you'd have to do something, and you're probably going to get penny on, pennies on the dollar on that trade, um, whatever you end up doing. Um it does make the Myers contract a little less palatable because it squeezes you a little bit further in terms of what you can do to add starting pitching. But I still think when you have an opportunity to sign a 26-year-old former number one pick, still has all that talent in the world, has been incredibly productive his whole career, 390-plus on base percentage, you can squint and see him being the second-best player in baseball this year. I say do it, especially because it would restrict the Dodgers or Giants from doing so, and even the Phillies. You know, I, I think we're kind of... I think people, just in general, I think Padres fans just enjoy taking a dump on Philadelphia, just as a city, but as a team also. Mm-hmm. They're they're like actually a team on the rise. Oh, like, for they sure, they have a lot of Absolutely. talent. Mm-hmm. They've gone through a long rebuilding process. They've had bumps in the road. You know, Vince Velasquez was hurt. Right, he, there was yeah. one point where Vince Velasquez was going to be the ace of the staff. Yeah, and the Scott Kingery extension from last offseason was looking like garbage too. Right. But, so I mean, obviously, some things you do they don't work out. We've we've experienced mostly that as a Padre fan, but. If you look at them up and down their roster, there's... even as a city, it's not yeah. even that bad of a city. Yeah, like I, I, I get it; it's not San Diego, but like there's really nice parts of Philadelphia. I'll yeah, I mean, having lived in Philadelphia recently, there's certainly some aspects of it which are underrated. They get a they get a bum rap a lot of the time. And where the rich people live, like on the main line out in Devon or Malvern or whatever, like it's a really nice place. Yeah, I mean, the urban sprawl in Philly is pretty tremendous. I mean, it takes you. I, I don't know. To get from what one end of the suburbs to the other, you're going to be driving for about three hours, which eh, maybe not three hours, maybe like two hours, which is not that dissimilar from San Diego from from that perspective. But I think, yeah, there are certainly – maybe it's just more of a dichotomy. There's there's some really terrible areas of Philly that you should not go into. Sure. Um, which but, are very easy to go into, unfortunately. There's not like a clear well, yeah. demarcation. That's where... why nobody leaves Malvern when they live in Malvern. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or King of Prussia out there. Yeah. Um, the thing is, Philadelphia is a, a threat. And I think that mm-hmm. now that the Padres are, are better, like it's time to start looking beyond just the National League West at rivals because if the goal is to be in the playoffs or to eventually make a World Series and win it, there's a lot of other National League teams that are that usually we just write off as like it doesn't matter. They're just mm-hmm. you know road teams or whatever. Mm-hmm. It matters now. Like we need to not only match up in the NL West. We have a lot of competition across the National League yep. to become a championship team. And the Phillies, I see them as one of our bigger threats. Yeah, I think I think you know, he, the Braves are a team yep. with a young core. The Phillies are a team with a young core. The Nationals are a team with a young core. Like those are. Those are threatening teams to what we want out of the Padres. Yeah, I would say those those three, obviously, plus Chicago. Sure. Right, um, and probably St. Louis. St. Louis doesn't seem to ever go away, in addition to our division. So, um, and that's not to say that Milwaukee isn't good or that Cincinnati can't become good, but 
yeah, I mean, I think you start to look at the the more likely teams to exceed the Padres in quality, and I think if the Phillies add Bryce Harper, they've got to be on that list as a potential. I mean, Reese Hawkins or Reese Hoskins <clears throat> plus Bryce Harper. I mean, that's a pretty formidable middle of the lineup just by itself, let alone the other pieces they have. So, yeah, I'm certainly rooting. I mean, and that's and that's the thing I keep coming back to. I I understand the argument about well, then you can't afford an elite starting pitcher. And next offseason, there actually are a couple starting pitchers on the market that I look at as, you know, potential targets. Garrett Cole, Chris Sale. I mean, those are the two that come to mind most prominently for me as guys that, yeah, if we don't sign Bryce Harper this year, I'm hoping that money's available for those guys. But there's no guarantee that those guys sign with a National League team. Well, it seems like Bryce Harper is certainly going to sign with an NL rival. And if you can take away that piece and add him to your own roster... I mean, I that's that's to me the tiebreaker if they're if you need one. The other thing is like so people are complaining about not having money for starting pitching. Like that's the concern, and and I get that. But I think if you're looking to invest a lot of money in a player, you want it to be a position player. Just the 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 track record of that is so much stronger, with the exception of maybe a Max Scherzer, right? But I don't. Well, maybe Chris Sale you put in the same class as Max Scherzer. He's a bit older, but, but there's a lot more now failures. Yeah, out of free agency, there's a lot more David Prices yes, than there are absolutely. Um, Max Scherzer's. Yeah, like Max Scherzer is almost like a unicorn. Yeah, in that he may be worth his contract throughout the entire term of his long term mm-hmm. contract. For me, I always looked at Machado, I guess, or Harper. Let's say two weeks ago, uh, you know. Yeah, we were just uh, praying for one of them a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like two weeks, two weeks BM, eight days, if you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before um, much. So. At that point, I think that you and I both saw demanding that that we we weren't asked we we didn't think Machado and Harper were you know it'd be nice to have them. I think we were at a point, and I think many fans were at a point where they demanded it. No, like, no, it's, it's, the, the numbers were out there, right? Mm-hmm. The money was there. Mm-hmm. The, there was no excuse not to get one of them. And the fit was so perfect with Machado right. too. That was the other part of it. It's like how. Like, if you're not going to add that guy now, you're never going to add anyone. But but at this point, the discussion around Harper revolves around, do we have the money? Mm-hmm. And so I think with Machado, before we signed Machado, the question was, th- there was no question. Mm-hmm. We had the money. The yeah. money's there. Yeah. Like, between you and me, we've established it mm-hmm. beyond a shadow of a doubt mm-hmm. that revenue support it, that uh, the money's not going anywhere, that mm-hmm. it should be spent. And that if you want to win a World Series, that's what you need to spend it. Yes. Yeah. And so... Um, I've always worked under the assumption, and we've said it a million times on this podcast, that league average payroll is the goal, right? And mm-hmm. that's about $140 million. We're not there yet. We have more confidence now that we will reach that. Yes. But for me personally, I'm operating under the assumption that that's about where we're going to be sure. s- someday. Yeah. And so it's a different question when you are, when, when Bryce Harper is basically the the available funds between here and and and, um, there. and league average yeah. payroll not to say we shouldn't get him or you mm-hmm. know i i think it's i think it's fair to argue that and and like i agree with you there is not another bryce harper next year on the market no and um, Ar- Ar- Arenado's off the market now already right? yeah. yeah which oh well, wait we shouldn't have waited for him <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, and we're probably what a month away from Rendon signing an extension. Could I you mean, imagine how miserable Twitter would Padres Twitter would be right now if Machado signed with? This is a know, great alternate with the whites. I you know with alternate the, history post yeah, that we should write. Yeah, the alternate universe Padres. Yeah, yeah uh, if Machado had signed with the White Sox and then Arenado got extended, like, could you imagine what a shit fest Padres Twitter would be right now? It would be 
it would be incredible in one way, but it, yeah, I kind of want to see it. Just you know, I wish I wish I could just see what that would look like, but then I don't. Do you kind of miss the days of being able to take out your daily frustrations on on, the, Twitter. on the team? <laughs> yeah, just on like Twitter. Stub your toe in your house, and you're like, "Fuck the Padres yeah. on Twitter." Yeah. Like, that, it wasn't we're all nice. have to find other outlets now, which <laughs> no. is bad for our families. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, bad for the dogs too, for sure. <laughs> no treat for you today. Um, no, I'm. I, I think that's too far, Mark. That's too far. Yeah, it's too far. Um, no, I think it is a fair point, though. Is it the best use of resources? Is really what it's come down to now. It's not about whether they have the money. Maybe it's a little bit about whether the Padres have the money for Harper. But assuming they had just that amount of money, is that the best way to spend the money? And that's a fair argument to me. I can I can understand both sides. I would just say I would I would still do it because I would rather invest that way. You can always trade. You can always trade uh, prospects to get a cost controlled pitcher. I mean that's that's a market that exists almost every year. Versus well, I mean, you know, we've seen that in the last year. Well, well, I mean, just from a for just just from a quantity of you know supply perspective, every team has five starting pitchers at least. Every team only has one shortstop. So if you need to add a shortstop midseason who's cost-controlled, it's slim pickings. Starting pitcher is one of the easiest things to... I mean, I guess corner outfielder is easier a little bit too, but but a, a starting pitcher is one of the easiest things, I think, to acquire as a hired gun. I mean, you can just go back through the history of baseball. I mean, the Padres have done it, Kevin Brown, right? And so I think... Well, and I think from the other me, team standpoint, the mm-hmm. trade partner standpoint... Um, there's a higher risk with pitchers that mm-hmm. sometimes other teams are more willing to trade away. Absolutely. Like, I, I think there's a much higher chance that the Rockies, l- l- let's say there was two years left in both of their contracts between Arenado and Kyle Freeland, mm-hmm. right? Kyle Freeland got Cy Young votes this year. Yeah. They would trade Kyle Freeland way before they would trade Arenado. Yeah. Right? Just uh, not even going into like the price of it, but because there's always this assumption that pitchers' performances can, can vary year mm-hmm. to year. Mm-hmm that uh, injuries are a much higher risk. And, and so I think that targeting a pitcher through trade is is much smarter. Especially than targeting right when you need him. Player. Absolutely. Right. Especially right when you need him. I mean, we should just have learned about the volatility of pitchers over the past decade. I mean, I think we have pretty succinctly. Like, obviously, Latos we traded, and now that looks... I mean, the trade kind of crapped out for everyone involved, but... But I think the decision to get rid of Latos, what in retrospect was a good decision. You look at did all the you, other starting. Did you like it had. at the time? I gave it a B. If you go back to the, the UT San Diego forums, my whole thing on that trade was that I didn't like Yonder Alonso as a major piece in the trade. I thought they got good value for Latos, but you, that, didn't, you didn't like the, the the crossover value because we already had Rizzo at the time. That right? was a major portion of it. And so, actually, if you go read my post, I said if this means that Rizzo's not the long-term first baseman, and then I sink this much lower. So I feel pretty good about that in retrospect. But from a value perspective, it's, it was difficult to argue with the prospect ranking of who they were getting back for who they were giving up. Sure. Yeah. And even, um, in, even in the after, even in the retrospect, look at it. I mean, well, Matt, Matt Latos obviously f- fell off the cliff. cliff but yeah. three all-stars back out of that. Yeah. Yonder was an all-star? Yonder was an all-star. Yeah, I mean that. Brad Boxberger, all-star. Brad Boxberger. I forgot about him being a part of that trade. But yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I guess, you know, Tyson Ross and Andrew Cashner, we can go over the history of Padres starting pitchers, and obviously they attrite really quickly. They can be good and then bad almost immediately, or just not even playing for you immediately. So I think if if, you're, if your thought process with Harper is not to spend that money so the next offseason you can invest long-term in a starting pitcher, I would just say that I think that's a much riskier proposition than just signing Harper and then getting hired guns at starting pitcher when you need them. I think that's a much a much more likely to succeed approach. 
Right. Um, and it goes back to something you wrote about Syndergaard mid-year mm-hmm. this year. Yep. Which, you know, in retrospect, it, it makes a lot more sense now, <laughs> like if they had traded for him back then. But there's yeah. no reason there's no reason to trade for Syndergaard now if you're not competing for a World Series this year. I think if you because, trade— Because you're assuming that year of risk, mm-hmm. injury risk, whatever, mm-hmm. cost, um, for— for no reason, really, because you can just wait a year and get either Syndergaard or a pitch similar pitcher. Like yeah. they're, they're always available. Yeah, I mean, or you can just see how the beginning of the season starts. Yeah, right. I, I mean, mean, I mean, look at this off season. Corey Kluber was what, dangled top out three, there. Top yeah. three Cy Young last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Syndergaard in trade in trade rumors. Like these are two of the best pitchers in baseball that are being dangled out there in trade rumors. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm saying. You can almost always acquire. A top end pitcher when you need them. If you and, need and them. if somehow the Padres are in the wild card race, Garrett Cole's going to be. Or, well, probably not. He's on the Astros, but th- there will be options available at the time. And mm-hmm. you, you know, it's not any cheaper to get them now. No, 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 not at all. I mean, there's not even anyone. Well, I mean, unless you're talking, are you talking trades? Trades. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be totally against trading for Syndergaard now. I think. I mean, I think if you added Syndergaard to this team, let's say that they. Well, I don't even know what, what the hypothetical here is. Is a hypothetical that they sign Harper and then have to trade for a starting pitcher, or just b- trade for a starting trade pitcher for to begin Harper? With? I mean, if, if they, they sign, sign Harper, Harper, yeah, like this is a win now. Oh, absolutely! Season. If they if they sign Harper and trade for Noah Syndergaard, I am I, I'm going to have to put some money on the Padres winning the World Series in Vegas just just so that I'm in, a little bit more invested in it. I, I mean, this is uh, to be honest, like it could be a 90 win t- that almost immediately makes them a 90 win team this year right yeah i mean i think that's i mean harper's projected for what maybe six wins above replacement this year or so with upside i don't know if he's projected for that but i mean five could five to that. six or so Syndergaard's yeah sure. probably five to six also yeah like, he might be he might be, he might be four to six but yeah something like that yeah i mean you're adding 10 wins to a team that i think we, on the last podcast we agreed is about an average team yeah now at the same time you're looking at a payroll of like 155 million dollars because like Syndergaard's not free he still makes yeah. a lot of money yeah, yeah. but but and so I think that's the question here is like what do we think the ceiling is going to be on payroll and so my expectation is that the team should be around 140 million dollars I would argue each year well, I mean, you have to account for inflation. Obviously, you're not saying 10 years from now right. it should be 140 million. You're saying okay, around league average. Inflation adjusted. Sure. I think yes. they should be around league average. Yeah, I, mean, that should, I, think, I, I think that should be the expectation of all fans. And I, I, and I think that's totally fair. Like, we're not even asking for them to get above average. That's I think that's why than, it's. That's also less than 50% of their revenue, which, which is, you know, kind of a standard bearer for where payroll should be. Mm-hmm. No, I think certainly in years where they're expecting to, pe- to compete seriously for a World Series title, you've got to be at league average or really close to it. Um, or you have to have some massive values on your roster, which we might with Ruiz and Tatis, which is why... argument, right? Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Your your payroll might be league average, but your your actual amount of talent on your roster and what you would pay them in a free market could be, you know, astronomical when you add in, you know, Tatis, Urias, and Paddock and all these other guys that will be league minimum for the next couple of years. But... So yeah, I'm I'm firmly on the pro pro Harper. I but I I at least can acknowledge that there's an argument that makes sense to not sign him. I just think that if you think it through a little bit further, I'm not sure that argument is quite as solid as signing Harper. But the main thing for me is just praying that Harper doesn't sign in the National League. At this point, it seems like all of his suitors you mean are especially with the Dodgers or the yeah. I mean. Um, because in a way that kind of cancels out what we just did. <laughs> yeah, the Dodgers is worst case scenario for sure. I'm not a big fan of him signing in Philly. Giants, 
is probably it'll my, be a bummer, but it's at least a little bit more palatable. It's probably my maybe. most preferable option, given given the the options. I mean, the Nationals worse than I think is a worse option than the Giants. Yeah, I mean, the, the Giants payroll is pretty pretty clogged right now. It's a pretty it's pretty done a pretty bad way of constructing their roster. And Bumgarner is is a free agent at the end of this year. So they're, they're an interesting rebuild case because they held on to Posey this mm-hmm. season, which surprised me over the off season. I thought they would try to cash in and try to clear some payroll. You know, yeah, they're going to lose Bumgarner. That probably decreases payroll. What fifteen mil mm-hmm. going into next year, unless they retain him. Which yeah, and you can't really won't. move Posey off catcher because you got Brandon Belt at first base, right? And you're stuck with Brandon Belt. Yeah, not that that's a bad thing. Belt's pretty good, but but, but yeah, I mean, but the thing with the Giants, limited shelf and, time for Posey for sure. At this sure, point. yeah. The thing with the Giants though that gets overlooked. It, because a lot of people are like, well, their farm system sucks. Why would anyone want to go there? Well, you want to go there because they have a $195 million payroll every yeah. year. And money is the best way – is is a really easy way to make up for those deficiencies. Yeah, they print in cash in San Francisco, I'm right. pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, your marketability in San Fran is pretty high. Sure. I mean that's like one of the best Marketing markets to play for. Corporate opportunities are, yeah. are off the charts. Yeah. And so um, – yeah, I would say uh, I would prefer San Fran over LA for sure. I think if I was ranking, let's say Padres don't get Harper, if I was ranking where he ends up, it's any AL team. I mean, obviously the Red Sox would be at the bottom of that list. I would maybe root for like the Twins or something, but but I don't see any AL team happening. There's not even a single one in the conversation right now. So then you start talking NL teams, and I'm like, all right, well, hopefully not the Braves, the Cubs, the the. I mean, it sucks uh, because Phillies all, all the, the Dodgers are the Giants. I mean, you're naming every all the team. Like, are our biggest. But that's, rivals, that's yeah. the thing. You start naming every team, and you're like, "Wow, maybe we should just sign him." You know, like that's yeah. that's the point I kind of get to where I'm like, "Well, if he goes anywhere, that really sucks." You know. Well, we should add this too. The hope of the front office pro- is Garrett Richards is going to be something close to a top of the rotation pitcher in he's, 2020. He's right? not though. He's, he's he's not. But you know they're thinking it. You know that you know they're thinking it. I'm trying to think of a good comparison for Gary Richards. Um, Tyson Ross? I was going to say Andrew Kashner, but like... Oh, that's mean. That's rude. I don't think that's that mean. Like, I, Gary Richards is... I, I, mean, feel, like he's, he- I feel like he's <laughs> never healthy. really done anything. The, and that's the thing. I think you can't bank on him as... I pencil Gary Richards in, in next year as a number five with a bunch of upside. And that's all I'm doing. I think if you're planning around him giving you quality innings as a number three starter, you're planning pretty poorly. Um, obviously that's the hope because we're paying him for that, which is why at the beginning when we offered him the deal, I was like, this is, you're not really getting much value out of this deal. He better be healthy. But it's yeah. interesting because at the time everyone was like, well, it's only seven and a half million dollars. What's the difference? Payroll is $60 million or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they signed Kinsler. I didn't like the kid. No one liked the Kinsler signing. We, we all kind of, yeah. we all kind of, even now, never, we all kind of shrugged and we're like, well, it's only four mil this year. Like, what are they going to spend it on anyways? Like yeah. it's harmless, but it's kind of not. It's kind of not looking harmless now because when you start totaling, and you've pointed this out before, when you start totaling up all these little throwaways, yeah, Clayton Richards' salary, Kazuhisa Makita's salary, yeah. um, Philip Hughes' salary, Matt Thornton a couple years ago, remember that four million yeah, they threw down like, the drain? There's just a lot of money that gets flushed, yeah. and and we shrug it off because it's a little. It's like the it's like the whole you know. Uh, office space, you know, fraction of a cent off each transaction. Mm-hmm. It adds up after a while, and it starts adding up into a Bryce Harper, yeah. salary wise. Like, like, yeah, maybe, maybe, honest, maybe not. Maybe like a year of Bryce Harper, two sure, years, of yeah, Bryce yeah, Harper, a year, sure, yeah, but, yeah. But that's what we're looking at. Everyone's mm-hmm. looking at this year's salary and trying to determine whether they can fit him in. Yeah, right. Um, 
Now, part of that, I, I do want to say maybe part of that might be because of salary floor reasons and Major League Baseball won't give you revenue sharing if you don't spend up a certain amount. Mm-hmm. So I get that aspect of it. If you're forced to spend, say, $50 million and you're at 44 then obviously you want to find someone that costs you $6 million that you can maybe trade. And so there's, there that, is that, that aspect to that it. That wasn't the case last year. They, that they wasn't nowhere, the case last year. They were nowhere near I, that. I agree with point. you. So the Clayton Richard, the Makita, those ones, even the Matt Thornton from the year before, God, I hated that Matt Thornton. God, that was so stupid. We we saw, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways they've wasted money money over the years, and that can bite you in the ass, obviously. But but yeah, so I'm I'm pro Harper. I'm pro I mean, it. Yeah. Now, now let's be realistic. What what's the percentage that you think they're they're bringing in Bryce Harper? Because I've got it real. I've got it real low. And, and it should be noted, team uh, PR director Kevin Acey has pointed out that the team has stressed vehemently mm-hmm. that they are not interested. Is that gamesmanship, or or is it the front office trying to tamp down expectations, which was brought on by themselves by Ron Fowler, not just saying, "Look, yeah. guys, let's be happy with what we got here, and and we'll talk about tomorrow." Tomorrow, who's who's Kevin Easy's source though? Because it's Ron Fowler, right? And so, who drove the Machado signing? We uh, from ownership from, perspective, uh, Peter Seidler, right? But from so, what I can tell, it's it was really AJ. I mean, I think AJ put the seed in their head. Yeah. That's fair. I think, uh, like the essay, SI so, so then I guess what, what, what odds are you thinking then for Harper? Five percent, seven percent, seven percent. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I was gonna say 20. I mean, it's, I, 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 I think, can, I think we overrate, point, I think we overrate things like, oh, who wouldn't want to live in San Diego? Because, because if that was true, everyone would be signing here. Yeah, the I thing mean, is, the players live elsewhere six months of the year, a lot mm-hmm. of times for tax purposes, a lot of times for family. Like, there's a lot of reasons for it. The, but, but some of those work out to our advantage in the Bryce Harper one, obviously. I mean, we're the closest major league team to Vegas, mm-hmm. unless you want to Except count. for Arizona, but... Yeah. Is that really much closer, though? How long is LA the drive is from... arguably closer, too, I think. But... That's a way shittier drive, though. <laughs> well, what do I... You think Bryce Harper's driving? Like, you don't think yeah, he's jumping true, into an, uh, a plane <laughs> yeah. at, at Torrance to <laughs> fly there if he plays for the Dodgers? No, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll have a Ferrari that he's, you know, gunning at 140 down that freeway. Like, Not I, that I, I want like, him to I do like that. People are like, yeah, you know, San Diego's perfect for Bryce Harper because he can just hop on the 15. And yeah, because Bryce Harper's really going to be driving through Barstow yeah. to, to get to stupid He's going to be flying out of his private jet yeah. out of Carlsbad, probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Anywhere he is. And once you're rich enough to have a private jet, the difference between San Diego and Houston. Is is really small, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's true. Um, but I, I think the the further the the Harper negotiations go on, and it becomes to me more and more apparent that either he's not getting the dollar amount that he wants to play in Philly, or that he just doesn't want to play in Philly. The more I think that he might actually be open to some exotic shorter term deals, something like five years, two hundred million, you know, something that's like really stretching the envelope from an AAV perspective, but yeah. not long term. Because everyone's going to want that, to claim victory. I, and those it. are the areas that I think that maybe the Potters can squeeze something creative in like that. Um, Do you think they I, have to dump Will Myers to get to that? No, and I made this point on Twitter. Like, I, well, let, let's no, say no, I guess, short, I guess, okay, let's say in the short term. Let's say your scenario of five two hundred mm-hmm. forty mil a year mm-hmm. is is what's needed to bring yep. him in. Mm-hmm. Do you think for two thousand nineteen, Ron Fowler would feel the need to dump payroll to get to there? 
I think they would certainly have those conversations for sure. I think at that point, then- because it can't possibly be palatable for Ron Fowler. He's not making it this year, but mm-hmm. in his mind, I feel like he's already painted Will Myers as a twenty million dollar player, even though he's not making it. Like in Ron's head, mm-hmm. I think that's what he looks at. Yeah, this year he's on the books and, for three million, and then the, the next three years he's on the book for twenty million. Well, more. There's some signing bonuses and stuff, but yeah, yeah, deferred signing bonus. Yeah, but but I think when I look at it, um, the Will Myers situation for one. I think if you trade him now, you're certainly selling low. Sure. And if you trade him now, you're either going to have to take back another bad contract in return and maybe maybe swap arms, for example, right? Which is um, maybe the best case scenario, in my opinion. You can trade Will Myers and get someone, get back an arm who's maybe a, a below market value, but is still you know better than having an excess outfielder. Or you had just do you mean a Chanho Park for a new generation? Uh, I would be shooting for much higher than Chanho Park, I think, for Will Myers. But yeah, I guess in was a, that Nevin? That was Nevin. That was Chanho Park. That was Nevin. Or or let's say Sydney Ponce, Sir Sydney Ponson, almost Padre Sydney. Terrible, Ponson. terrible deals. Yeah. Or Kenny Rogers. Remember when he was going to get traded here too? I remember that Griffey was the best one that stood out to me, but. Well, Tower, KT just wasn't the deal closer. Yeah. No, no, no. Adrian you got the, the no. Nevin rejected the trade. That's oh, true. Yeah, the no trade clause he rejected, but, um, yeah, I, but I still think there's there's ways to get out of the Myers contract. I, I think we're overstating just how bad that contract is because one, he's cheap this year, so you don't have to trade him now. If you're going to eat his money, you can eat it next off season if you have to. Um, and so I would rather when you have a guy that you're selling low, I'd rather just play him this year and see if he works his way back up because for all we know. Him hitting with Machado and let's say you know this hypothetical Harper uh, and Tatis and Urias in the same lineup, let alone the other guys who were making up the heart of our lineup before we got those guys. Um, he might be a three, four win player again, you know. And then at that point, his contract doesn't look so bad. Maybe it's only a ten million or five million dollar gap between what he's getting paid and what he's worth. But even then, there's not that many guys that will be worth you know three plus wins each season on the free agent market who are willing to sign three-year deals. And so I, I don't, I still look at him as a guy that I don't think it's that crazy that he claws back a lot of that value through playing this season. So if well, I'm selling, if I'm and in that scenario, also in that scenario, you sign Bryce Harper, you know, this becomes a win now year and you start looking, okay, who's what, who do you want in left field or right, wherever you're going to play park Harper, right or left, whatever. Who do you want in that ever other corner outfield position that you're confident of being the best value this year? And I would say I would I think Will Myers is more likely to be valuable this year than Renfro or Fran Reyes. So that's how I would pick. Right. So if if if, if we started to become a win now scenario, then I'd say, all right, not only is Myers the hardest to move, but I think he's still the best. He's also at the lowest of his value, whereas Reyes and Renfro might be Peak value. Peak value, potentially, and you can get something useful for them, even if it's you know, pennies on the dollars because you have this logjam. So you said you didn't want to talk about Will Myers and Andy Green's statement that he wants to put him in center field for some time. Yeah. Um, from a value, Stupid. Well, from a value maximization view, putting him in center field tanks his war value, right? Because I think people forget that Will Myers wasn't just bad in center field. He was on pace to be historically bad. In center field, he more than took away all offensive value through how bad he like way more than killed his offensive yeah, value through his awfulness in center field. The thing is, I can't remember how. All right, just I just want to have an aside here on defensive statistics. So there are some that are put out there by Darren Wilman 
on Twitter. I don't know if you follow him. If you don't, you should. He works for, I think, MLB.com or um, StatCast or something like that. He has, in my opinion, the best defensive statistics. He'll look at the angle the ball is hit, how long the player had to get there, and he'll show you the balls that landed in versus those that didn't and give you a really good view of how, how many extra balls this player didn't get to versus an average outfielder. That, in my opinion, is how I want to analyze Will Myers. The problem I have is a lot of these defensive statistics don't do that. They see a ball hit to center field, and they say, all right, this ball's fielded X percent of the time. He should have caught it. But it doesn't consider the fact that other outfielders might catch that ball and how that impacts their rate and the fact that Will Myers was playing center field with Matt Kemp in right field. And so for me, there's there's areas of that where I look at it, and I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. Matt Kemp probably didn't get to too many balls, and so does that count against Will Myers at all? There's there's a lot of different ways these defensive statistics are calculated that I don't necessarily agree with or think can be applied. Are you totally whole forgetting scale. like the eyeball test of two, 2015? No, 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 I'm April not, 2015. Though. I'm not forgetting the eyeball test, but the, I think the eyeball test can be misleading defensively. I, I Just mean, look at Derek Jeter at shortstop, for example. The eyeball test would have told you he's good. Sure. The statistics tell you that he was not good, right? And so, no, granted, he had a couple plays that you're like, all right, wow, like the you know cutting down Jeremy Giambi at home plate for the A's when he first baseline. I mean, that's a play that no one really makes. There, there are those moments, but I think in aggregate, you know, I, I guess the what, thing I, is, I guess if what if I'm saying is, we're trying to boost up Will Myers' before, value. Shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't he be put in the best position to succeed? I agree with that. But, and, but, and this but is before totally, I shit over his entire uh, what he did in the, I, I think it's very unlikely he's going to be good in center field. But before I shit over his 2015 in center field, I would like to go back and look at in closer detail exactly how bad he was. If it, if it is an artifact of how they calculate the statistics. Or if you actually look at the balls and play data, did he actually make less, you know, fewer plays? That's something I'd like to look at in more detail. But Th- this is also totally ignoring that every position change he's had, where he played poorly, mm-hmm. it, it ended up hurting his offense, and mm-hmm. it would be used as an excuse for a fall off in Will Myers's offense or attention span or or whatever. And he said it; he's comfortable in left field, right? Just yeah, like just he said he was comfortable in first field. Like yeah. why? Why? Why introduce these risk factors into? trying we're, like we're trying to make will myers look good so we can get rid of him right and it's not like we don't have center fielders right margo and franchi no three of them margo franchi and jankowski yeah. are all totally fine to put out there as a center fielder like, like i laughed yesterday because someone was like they're just going to use myers you know late innings and i'm like that's the worst time to use him <laughs> yeah. in center field like yeah. that's the whole reason jankowski's even here still yeah i mean I, I, yeah yeah i'm almost more okay playing him in center field in just like the first inning, just to get through that at bat, and then bringing in Jankowski or bringing in whoever else is a defensive replacement for oh, whoever is left idea. field. I like that. Have Framel Reyes get one at bat and take him out of the game and put in, you know, Margot in center and move Myers to left. Just, just to maximize the at bats you're getting. If that's the approach you're taking, I don't think they're going to do that though, because they'll probably carry three catchers. That's a really great approach, though. It's way beyond what what Andy. Would no, no, absolutely, play. yeah. But I mean, that's the sort of scenario where I'm like, all right, whatever. One inning of him out there not the end of the world if you're actually trying to build up his value probably a bad decision unless like i said i have to go back and look at those stats so i don't want to but there's but there's no way in your head that it's going to enhance his value to put him in center field extremely unlikely yeah yeah especially at petco especially at petco yeah especially it's not like he's got stars in left and right field defensively also like you mentioned matt kemp it's not that much better out there with Hunter and Fran Mill Reyes to his sides. Yeah, that's true. But uh, this hypothetical, though, that we were talking about was with Harper. Not sure. that Harper's great defensively either. But Yeah, he's not that great either. No. 
Yeah. So I think look, he shouldn't be in center. He should, no, he shouldn't be in center. Field. I'm hoping this is like when when Andy kind of hinted at using an opener a couple years ago, and we thought they were going to make the Padres weird again and everything, mm-hmm. and then and then he just turned into Bud Black, but less inspiring and worse. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know if he's worse. I mean, he's definitely worse in some ways. I think he's much more of a patsy in the dugout and willing to let opposing players run into his young catcher without any retribution whatsoever, which I think is completely unacceptable. But from a strategic perspective, yeah, I mean, he's bad, but he's not Bud Black bad. Which, by the way, I'm very glad the Rockies extended Bud Black. I like Bud Black. Sorry. As a manager? I didn't mind him. I thought he was pretty bad. I thought pretty he was bad. fine. I mean, he called for so many sack bunts with his number two hitter, which just means that he set his lineup wrong. I mean, that's like... <laughs> you say that like Andy doesn't call for a bunch of sack bunts. Like, a- Andy does most of the things we hated that Bud Black did. Yeah, but not as many with his number two hitter. I mean, that's that's like the... I don't know how to... Bud Black hasn't brought in a reliever... Never brought in a reliever, like, mid-batter, mid-count. Like, Andy's done a lot of weird stuff, like... I mean, it's it's sort of like if you if you, this is going to be a weird weird analogy. Who are analogy, some of the leadoff hitters that Andy has used used in this? You know, oh, he's he's uh, we used to kill Bud. Bud used to get killed because he would put you know the stereotypical fast guy, Alexi Amarista, in yeah. the, into a leadoff. Like Andy's done the exact same thing through mm-hmm. the years. No, I agree. He's just sack bunted with his number two hitter less. I mean, that's like one of the biggest faux pas that you could possibly do. Is to set your lineup. I mean, your number two hitter, in theory, should be the person with your highest on base percentage. I mean, it's statistically, it's the most important position in your lineup. To put someone there who you're going to call the sack bunt in the first inning, which he has done, is absolutely mind bogglingly terrible, terrible managing. If you're going to do that, just hit your pitcher second. If that's your real strategy, it's, but it's, yeah, mind, mind numbingly dumb. So I'm really glad that he's staying in, in Colorado for another year. Also because, I don't know if you've been following the, the, the drama in Colorado with Ian Desmond oh, at all. What's he supposed to do with the guy? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's sort of like our Will Myers the center field. He is their Will Myers, right? <laughs> I mean, Will Myers is a much better player than Ian Desmond right now. But yeah, I guess he's being bandied about in the same sort of way. Kind of, I mean, kind of an outcast one, contract. the one who signed him. You know, he's given the players, and he's what's he doesn't have to, to play him. What's he supposed to do with the guy? Doesn't have to play him. Like the GM's gonna gonna just be like, all right, well, just ignore the guy I just signed for however much money. Well, now that he has a three year extension, he, could, he probably could do that. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. Where yeah, does he we'll want see. to put him? Center field. Uh, yeah, I think they were talking. Center field is actually field. his best position. Ian Desmond at this point. I mean, I would say DH point. probably he doesn't his best have position. a good position. Yeah, he doesn't but, have a good position. Maybe third base, to be honest, but. In any case, um, coming back to Will Myers, yeah, I think playing him in center field is kind of, I don't know. I don't know if that's just uh, inspiration to get Margot and Franchi to try harder this spring. I don't know what the real nexus behind that comment is, but I really hope their plan isn't to play Will Myers. And if it is, I hope it's a gambit, like like I mentioned, with just getting an extra bat at bat in the first inning out of Framo Reyes before putting in Jankowski or whoever else they want out there for glove reasons. Let's start advocating for this. Like, what's a good name for this this well, maneuver? Well, have you heard of this? Have I ever told you the strategy I pitched the Padres like mm. five years ago to Garf? Did Garf? Yeah, and he, I got, well, I actually pitched this to the Pirates. They really liked it, and uh, they wanted me to come in for an interview, and I was like, I don't want to work in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I had sent it out to a bunch of Major League front offices, actually just three, and I got some hilarious responses back. So the whole gambit is every game you have a couple starting pitchers that aren't going to play. Like, obviously, whoever pitched the previous day, he's not going to be used. If he is, he'll be a pinch runner, and what value does that really have? It's like 15th inning pinch runner. So my whole gambit is 
You start the game, you know who your leadoff hitter is, you, you slot him in the leadoff spot, and then your two, three, and four spots in the lineup, you just put in the starting pitchers from the previous couple games, and then as that first, you can only really do this on the road, but as that first inning unfolds, you can bat batters in the order you want them based on who's oh, gotten based on, on base. the situation. Yeah, and so my whole, I came up with this in college in 2007 when I was watching a game with a bunch of Dodgers fans. When Adrian Gonzalez would come up to hit in the first inning with absolutely no one on, it would drive me nuts. I was like, in these games, I wish he hit fourth because either he'll hit with a runner on and two outs or he'll lead off an inning. And either one of those is better than nobody on and two outs. And so I came up with this idea for uh, how to do that. You just have starting pitchers there. And if no one's on, then whatever, you hit Will Venerable, whoever the second best hitter. Oh, my God. Keep thinking back to the Will Venerable days. <laughs> and... Otherwise, if a guy got on, then yeah, you hit Adrian Gonzalez, and so you can you can kind of fuzzy with the the batting order this way, and it is legal. Um, Andy Strasburg, who used to work for the Padres, he was he's really good friends with some of the major league umpires. He uh, he ran through this with them, and they said, yeah, that's a legal strategy. I can't believe no one's ever done it. So that's that's a gambit that I would love to see. But the other one where you can get that extra at bat, that's not a foreign concept. The the Cardinals used to do that with Mark McGuire. When Mark McGuire had injury problems later in his career, the Cardinals would have him, uh, you know, start a game and bat, and then just take him out of the game, and they would just get his bat in the first inning, and that was the end of it. Um, the lineups always looked weird because you'd have like McGuire hitting in the two hole or whatever, he get in a bat, and then it would be someone you would not expect to be in the two hole there for the rest of the game. But at least they got some value out of McGuire when he was unable to play. Otherwise, that might not even been the end of his career. It might have been during part of his prime when he was just hurt because he was hurt pretty frequently. So now I'm off topic here pretty wildly because I don't think the Potters are going to do that, but that's like the only scenario where I'm like, all right, that, that makes some sense. Unless a review of the 2015 data shows that Wyatt Myers wasn't actually that bad at getting to balls he was supposed to, but I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. The Let's say they carry six outfielders, mm-hmm. which is a possibility this year. I think it's unlikely, but yeah, I think this year more than ever, I could see them doing because that. Because the main concern from a manager would be like, well, what if we go to 17 innings and we need that we need that bat off the bench or we need that outfielder mm-hmm. out there for a double switch or whatever. But if you carry six outfielders, you really only need five. So if you burn one of them this way mm-hmm. and you give your team a better chance to win, like let's say your plan is just to give Will Myers a day off, right? He's mm-hmm. kind of he's a little bit injury prone. Like you want to give him some time off, mm-hmm. but you can let him have that first. At let bat him lead off the game and pinch run for and him. Sit down, yeah. Yeah. yeah, immediately. Yeah, I I think there's not enough of that in baseball. Actually, that kind of minutia sort of uh, um, micromanagement. Uh, Man, the, if only there was some kind of blog where you could write, write, things, write these things, write yeah. things and analyze it. Yeah, um, yeah. I just don't know how much value you're actually adding by doing that. That's, that's why. It's, I, mean, I mean, that's the. But, but you but can an quantify ideal, this, an ideal, right? Yeah, you, you can certainly quantify it. You get an extra what? I mean, on those days, I guess you're swapping out uh, you're, you're, a 780 OBP or uh, OPS for you know an 840 or whatever. It's whatever the delta over is between 80 Travis Jankowski and a Will Myers at bat, right? For, I mean, and you can quantify bats. this via you know value, you know game score value or whatever. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it's why don't you do this? Yeah, I mean, it's it might be worth like two or three runs a season, which matters. Yeah, it's half a win. That's that's basically what a lot of people estimate a manager impacts. Yeah. So, but, but the thing is, my my calling card for major league manager is so low. I mean, or my expectations of major league managers are is incredibly low. They're so dumb. Like in terms of their in game strategy, they, they might be very good at organizing players and getting them to play to their maximum effort, and that's a part of management that 
that it's hard to quantify. But the actual X's and O's on the field, incredibly low. So, like, I, you don't see me complaining that they're not doing this because, A, no one's doing it, and, B, also because I expect that they're dum-dums and not going to do it. But an ideal, you know, game strategist would do that. They would also, by the way, do things like my softball team did, uh, which is, like, you know, a lefty comes up, all right, let's move our best – Let's move our shortstop to second and move our shortstop to third and I'll go play from third. I'll go play short for this. You know, completely micromanaging where everyone's positioned based on the hitter and their tendencies. You don't see that. I think you will see that eventually in Major League Baseball or they'll just outlaw it. You know, they'll do something that makes it such that players can't leave certain areas. But right. when they when they inevitably ban the shift, which. Yeah, which I think they might. At some, I hope they don't. I think you should just learn to hit against it. But. But yeah, I mean, moving a left field to the right field because a lefty's up and then moving him back to I mean, that's something that a team that was absolutely maximized. Like, like I hope if the Padres got to the World Series and they were serious about doing absolutely everything they could to win, I, I would have hoped that would be something they would consider, especially in situations where maybe you have one really awful player, like one awful fielder that you just need to avoid him, you know. Like, if it was the case where it was late game and you had Jankowski in left and Framel Reyes in right. Like, I hope that they would consider swapping them based on who the batter was right right yeah so who was the manager that put andrew kashner out in the outfield is that bud black or was that andy probably bud black but i don't you mean innovative thinker bud black hmm because that's arguably the most innovative move of a pot i mean the, the bar is incredibly low right yeah of padres managers but i would say when that's arguably that? one of the most innovative moves in Padres history from a manager standpoint, right? It had zero impact on the game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It didn't matter. But from innovation standpoint, I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, you've seen some things like the five infielders late in the game when you need to get a guy out at home, right? I mean, you've seen that. But do we do that? How often do we use that? No, I mean, our, well, if you, if you just look at April 25th, 2014, so that's, that's that's squarely in in Bud Bud Black's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if you, from a strategic perspective, the Padres have been pretty bad. I mean, if you just look at their shift data, they shift often, but it doesn't lead to increased performance. I don't know how much of that is, uh, you know, bad analytics versus bad execution versus unlucky, right? But I think there's a they have a long way to go in terms of their ordinary execution of analytics and on-field gambits before they even get to the area where I'm trying to maximize, you know, at bats in the first inning by doing some other gambit that might add a run or two over the course of a year. I mean, I'm, I, with Andy Green, I'm just hoping for no sack bunts. Like, just don't do anything really stupid. Don't play Jose Perella. Play your best players as much as frequently, as much (laughs) as often, you know? Don't fall into the the traps of having to have a scrappy guy hit second, you know? Like, those are the pit, the, the old baseball pitfalls, if we have a manager that doesn't do those, I will consider him a fantastic manager, even if he doesn't do the other strategic things. Because the bar's so low. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the, the picture on Twitter this morning? Uh, someone took a picture of the four jerseys being featured in the Padres store right mm-hmm. now. Can you, can you guess who they are? The four jerseys. Is Machado one of them? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Hosmer. Yes. Myers. No. Okay. Um, hmm. Number th- who is who would the third one be out of this list? Uh, let's go with uh, Margot. Nope. Hmm. I'll give you this one. It Hedges. Not- okay. Can you guess? Hedges the is going to be my next Can one. Can you guess the fourth? It better not be Perella. Old number two. <laughs> number two, Jose Perella. 
the star of the TJ Maxx, <sighs> TJ Maxx and Ross. Uh, they're just trying to sell discount them. Racks. I think. I think. Yeah. I think they're just trying to get rid of them. <laughs> that's my hope. Um, Here that's, that's my. That's my hope. And, but the thing is with Jose Perillo, though, I've said for a while, like he didn't make sense for last year's team when you want to be bad. But if you have a team that's going to be really good, he's not the worst option as your last bench guy. Now, granted, I don't think he he makes sense this year because they've added depth that they didn't have before. They added Kinsler. Right, they've added. You know, now they have more younger outfielders that I think make more sense to carry long term than Perella. So, the only thing that would make sense to me is if if they wanted to get Franchi and Fran Milk every day at bats. You know, send them down for a little bit to start the year and maybe start with Perella. I mean, the thing is, someone will get hurt in the first month anyways, and then you're going to be like, all right, who's our next guy up? He's not the worst guy if you're trying to be decent, eh, but he's arguably the worst guy. Yeah, I mean, it's I I could I could understand how maybe he's more valuable than Chris Stewart or uh Greg Garcia. Chris Stewart started you know, the, year but on like, the team. It's been hint like since we podcasted last, I've seen AC say it like twice. Yeah. Like, get ready for Mejia to be in AAA and for Chris Stewart to be in you know, yeah, in and major I think, leagues. And I think he's less valuable than Perella. Which is hard for me to admit as uh probably Perella hater number one. But I think part of that was just more strategy than anything else. Like last year I wanted I mean I don't have to rehash the argument every time, but but obviously, like taking a bats, giving a bats to Perella was taking him away from Fran Mill and Franchi, and those were things that would allow us to evaluate those players better. That's that's why I was against it. Not that not that he's a completely worthless, you know, last bench piece or you know someone that you can cycle between AAA and the major league level on a team that's supposed to compete. I mean, that's what he is, in my opinion. And if that's what we're going to be this year, if we signed a Harper, for example, then I'm okay having him be one of those transitional guys or last bench player because you know he's shown that he can in quotes, play other places, you know, so. Okay, yeah, so he's, he's, uh, he's valuable like Alexi Amarista was valuable. He's, he's an improved Alexi Amarista. I, I would hope that you still give that player as little playing time as you possibly can, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah Which, by the him. way, Jose, uh, Johnny Amarista Hustle. got like hundreds of a-bats last year in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, no, he did. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know he did. Yeah, it's a, garbage, absolute garbage, so. <laughs> All right, let's let's close out the episode. Uh, there is one issue I've thought about a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's come up a little bit in the past week, and we talked about it on the last podcast. And I think it's something that you and I are generally um, not excited to claim as a victory. Or, like, there's been a lot of talk on on what influenced the front office, right? And AJ Preller in the press conference on Friday announcing Manny Machado announced that they heard Padres Twitter, right? Um, we've said on the last podcast that, you know, credit and credit is different than being influential, but credit yeah. is due to the people signing the checks. Yeah, absolutely. The people it's, that took on a $300 million right. risk. That's where the credit, if you want to give credit, sure. yeah. it's Ron Fowler and Peter Seidler. Yeah. They're the ones signing the checks. They're the one assuming the risk. They're the one taking on the financial burden. Yeah. I mean, it's not it. like we came up with the idea of signing money Machado and like, it's not like we said it on the podcast or people said it on Twitter and AJ Pillar was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. No, let's go sign money. Mach- I mean, that's. It's it's so it's not like you're in a corporate setting where you come up with an idea for a new project that no one had thought of. Even if someone sponsors it, you would still expect credit. I, I don't. That's not how it works, right? Obviously not. But I think there's you can certainly, based on the comments we saw from Andy Green, based on the comments we got from ownership, you can at least maybe take some solace that your words aren't completely empty. And I would argue that they, they are influential, potentially influential. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a spectrum of influence too, right? It's like. 
I mean, they've done the studies of the human psychology. If you're in a, if you're in a classroom of 30 people, all, you know, regular humans, 29 of them are paid to answer a certain way in a survey. And you're the, you're the test subject basically. And they show you two things on the board. One of them's clearly bigger than the other. And they ask the room, which of these is bigger, uh, A or B. And if all 29 other people raise their hand for the one that is smaller, it will actually influence you some portion of the time to raise your hand and be like, well, fuck, maybe I'm the, maybe I'm the idiot here. I'll, I'll go with the majority, right? And I mean, that is a real psychological effect. And they've done a lot of studies on this. So, um, yeah, obviously being surrounded by more of that feedback, I don't think it can hurt. I mean, unless you're so stubborn that you're going to do it your own way because which you want to do it your own way. Which is concerns about for mm-hmm. a long time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've said more than anyone, well, I'm not going to say more than anyone, but we've said it a lot, that the Padres are a business, mm-hmm. and for many years it appeared that they didn't listen to their customers. Mm-hmm. Like they were like the only business in the world that decided that what their customers thought uh, either was totally unimportant or was stupid yeah. and that they were just going to do what they were going to do. Yeah. And they right? would trivialize it and have their own fake studies. I mean, I, are we at the point now where we're calling their old studies fake? I, I'm calling them fake. I, I believe they were. I mean, we've asked for the evidence multiple times. We haven't been given the evidence. We've I've been told it disappeared. Last year. Like I, ca- I, yeah. I cataloged all of the lies through the years. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Anyways, continue. Yeah. Um, it's almost insulting for people to say like i actually even heard like craig elston say it on um the podcast that was recorded on friday that you were too cool to show up to the regal seagull for the massive north county celebration i know it was a long drive from inland north county over to the coast (laughs) i was sick by the uh, way oh you're sick that's too bad i was sick Mm. partially probably from walking home from uh vine and tap (laughs) and san marcos after a couple beers late at night when it was like 45 out and i had a short sleeve no i had i'm pretty sure you could have survived at regal seagull marber i mean it's not like you were puking no 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 no, no. but the thing is i i I felt fine the thing is like you guys have kids and i don't want to go i'm i'm not healthy you know it's like i oh you did it felt shitty to go around no for reals like i i i didn't feel like it would have been fair for me to have gone I wanted to. I wanted to go drink midday. Don't, don't get me wrong, but all right. Well, listen to the pod. Yeah. Listen to the podcast. It was excellent. This sure. is the uh, our rendezvous podcast, the mm-hmm. Team Higgins podcast. Um, Craig Craig Elson. I don't think he meant it this way, but he he very flippantly said, um, "Of course, the fans demanding it didn't influence the ownership. They were going to do this anyways." Mm-hmm. And I actually would say there's no more false statement than that because they weren't going to do this otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. Um, I don't have the ego to say, oh, well, Ron Fowler listens to at H.J. Preller on Twitter because I know they don't. Or Wayne Partello doesn't follow me. No, you know, they don't care what we say. Yeah, I mean, they might, what they, they, might care, they might look at it. Just but what to they see do what care saying, about yeah. is the, you know, your 3,000 followers, my 1,300 followers mm-hmm. uh, that do listen to things we say. 2,807, okay, not, yeah, not 3,000. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, <laughs> across across all of it, like, mm-hmm. We've heard this story that Padres Twitter is an insignificant number of people and that ownership is like, well, you know, that's that's just 2,000 people. Like, we sell 40,000 tickets to games. Like, mm-hmm. who cares about that? Mm-hmm. You know, totally ignoring that it's a representative sample and ignoring, like, the statistical underlying math behind yeah, and, that. And, and they have siblings the and they have families that also, you know, if they talk baseball with those people and they're believing the things we're saying, that they're – they're likely going to proliferate those opinions of those people, and, well, and those people work in office settings and are going to have you know. Right, like, it's silly to look at it yeah. as a bottom line number. It's it's a sampling of a yeah. greater population, mm-hmm. and and I've never heard them say that it's not an accurate sample of the population. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
we say stuff. Eric, you know, miserable SD fan says stuff. Everyone says this stuff and people hear it and they make decisions off of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's silly to think that, and I think it's actually um, insulting to the team to say, well, they didn't listen to anything you guys have said. You know, when, when we, when they called to, to get a season ticket renewal and they were told, well, I don't really see the point in putting the money in this year. Like call yeah. me in a couple years when you guys are good. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll invest. Yeah, and it's 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 crazy too because like, you know, I work for one of the largest companies in the world, and it's like I know what lengths we go to to understand what our customers want and don't want. You know, like Do you there's mean the poor man's chase. Uh, so I know the lengths they go to. to, to <laughs> you know that you know that that, the, the worst that one doesn't even that one doesn't even bother me to be honest with you because like Chase isn't actually looked at as being like a great well, place. Well, they're a market to, leader. I mean, in some in some areas, but they're not looked at it in terms of what I do as being particularly cutting edge. And so, their chairman ran the treasury of the United States. Right? Sure, sure. In some areas of of banking, I would say that they're probably you know closer to a gold standard. But but for we what but for what get, I do, they're a bottom. A they're, I would I wouldn't call them a bottom feeder for what I do, but they're not. We don't need to get into it to feather your ego, Mark. Yeah. It, it did but score. Case, it did score the lowest on my poll of greatest gear grinds. Yeah, that was. Uh, I, I voted for. Uh, um, USB is UCSB is safety school. No, that one doesn't bother me too much because like built on a garbage dump. That one, that one I cloud. voted for. Yeah, that one I voted for just because it's patently false, and so that that's. I mean, they're all it's to not some false. degree patently it's false. It's not false. It is false. My house is not built on a garbage dump. In fact, when you drive home from here, you're going to drive past the front gate of the garbage dump as well as that's the, true. the abandoned recycling center. Um, yep, I will. I will and drive by. You those. didn't even get into the methane cloud, which exists and is there. And there mm, was actually there could, was actually a plant to harness the methane in the garbage dump. There's that much methane where you live. Mm. Well, I'm just that, there's also, that much I'm, methane where I live for other reasons. I'm also, also. going to point out that methane is fart gas. Which Na- also I was going to say you, you farts. Are currently you've, you purchased a house in a giant fart look, cloud. Look, my house was doomed for farts no matter what. So <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, wait till we tape at your house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should tape at our house soon. By the way, it's getting it's it's mostly furnished now. So. You've got a limited uh, you've got a limited time frame to start recording at your house. So. That's true. That's true. But um. Back to the topic. Yeah, so but, but companies go to great lengths to understand what their customers want. They'll hire, I mean, they'll hire teams and, you know, pay third parties a, a whole lot of money to record what people say and to do it in a scientific manner so that they can then go back and tweak operations or tweak whatever they're doing from a policy perspective to, to you know, to make it a better experience for customers. I mean, that's that's what it's for, right? If, if you know, that's... Just what big that's successful what companies, companies do. do. Yeah, and right. so that's why so we're the insane, phrase the customers it's always It's insane right for from. me for people to be like, no, they they don't. Why would they care what you? It's like, you know, we're prospective com- uh, customers, if not customers, we're talking to customers. I mean, like it's, yeah. I, I guess the the line for me was like, it was never like I I never thought that change the pod. I mean, when I first started the documentary f- to begin with. I mean, nobody My, I never thought I was going to do anything. Boy, nobody actually joined your boycott, right? No, 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 no. I mean, I, I I wouldn't say that. We we had people that reached out to me that said like, "Hey, I canceled my season tickets and stuff." So there were certainly some people that did, but I never expected it to work. What I was really hoping to do was just implant a bunch of facts in people's minds and change, move the needle a little bit, because either that can accelerate how quickly things change, or it can you know uh, make other people. If you go back far enough, if you go back to the before Change the Padres came out, if you went on any of the Padres message boards or whatever the social media stuff was at the time and you said, hey, um, 
uh, I don't like the way the Potter's ownership's acting. You were you were pretty much ostracized. Like a lot of people, for whatever reason, be it Gaslamp Ball being in bed with Garfinkel or whatever the. Ouch. I mean, it's it's a fact. I mean, it is a bona fide fact that, that happened. But I mean, not in bed, but uh, well, allegedly maybe with with the Mike D stuff. I can't dismiss anything anymore. But a Gaslamp Ball in any being boned in any Mike case D. in any case if you were um, you know, you were looked at the, as being the crazy one, but. But once someone's like very vocally the crazy one, it, you can go, you can approach being that crazy and just be slightly less crazy, and it becomes kind of more okay. And so, by kind of setting the boundary further and further away, you can shift people to towards that, right? And so, I always looked at it as, as sometimes I would say something on Twitter, and maybe I understood that there was a good argument on the opposite side that I maybe even agreed with. But I think having those talking points out there for at least people to consume and and think on their own couldn't hurt. And I think. If if nothing else, at the very least, we certainly introduced ideas to people. I mean, that's just a fact, based on the number of people following us and you know listening to the podcast and everything. And maybe that influence, maybe it didn't move the needle. I think it would be crazy to say that it certainly didn't move the needle. Right? It may have moved the needle based on their comments. Either you're saying they're a liar, or it did move the needle a little bit. So, I think. I'm yeah. feeling pretty good. I mean, again, it comes back to the fact we have Manny Machado. So right. now I don't care anymore. We've won. Like, I don't we care. got what yeah. we wanted. Yeah, things, um, things are pretty good. I, I will say that when it comes to the Padres, they're a team obsessed with controlling the message, right? We've mm. joked about that a lot. That's mm. a big thing that Wayne Partello has instituted. It's why you read the SI article today and they talk about having, you know, that Wayne Partello is sitting behind Manny Machado in the interview, making sure it goes according to message, mm-hmm. right? Um the reason Fire Mike D worked was because it unified everyone behind one message. Mm-hmm. And the Padres think that there is only this one message, theirs. And the fact of the matter is there are, are, are all kinds of different messages. And on a normal day of Padres Twitter, mm-hmm. there's 200 different messages going in different directions, mm-hmm. right? And every once in a while, those 200 directions all unify going towards the same direction. Yeah. And I think that at that point, that's when Padres Twitter has actually been an effective body to effect change. Mm-hmm. And it's happened over the years on, on things like, you know, Brian Giles being invited. There's there's not really an argument for us, the fans, or, or people that enjoy decency, mm-hmm. to defend having Brian Giles at events. And not just right? that, but the, the radio host in 97.3 getting right, fired before he started, right? I, I mean, mean, there's there's numerous things we can point towards as, I mean, and, and in the that common is that everyone, yeah. has, everyone has unified on, behind those issues, right? Yeah. And I think on the issue of the finances, we, in general, reach that coalescing point. Where this offseason all... was incredible for me to, to step back and... Cause, I would open up Twitter, and normally, you know, two off seasons ago, I'd open up Twitter and I'd be like, "Hey, the Potters should spend more," and it'd be like, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say it fell on deaf ears, but it was certainly like, it was almost its own conversation. But now, when I opened up Twitter this off season, I was looking at it; it was like everyone was having this com- like everyone had these comments, and so I was just a part of that. And so I agree; like, I think it did reach a point where like everyone was pretty much unified on this point that. The spending I mean, level was unacceptable, especially given the fact that like we were ready to open a window. It didn't feel like it, but that's what we thought was should be happening. So, well, yeah, I, I don't think there was anyone that was going into the season saying there was probably someone. There was probably Lance Fogel being like, <laughs> you know, eighty million dollars is fine, you guys. Like, the, just stick to the stick to the plan. Right? Yeah, but I, I think that ninety seven percent of people took the data, read the articles, read Kevin Acey, and decided this is not acceptable. Yeah, and I think. If the Padres didn't listen to you or me, 
they listen to the 5,000 voices that are saying the same thing, united behind the same same message. And I think it'd be silly to say that that had no effect yeah, on, I agree. on the team. And, and I think another thing that helped was that Major League Baseball itself was pretty frugal spending-wise this offseason. So it became like a much larger topic, which is why you know Wildly Effective invited us on. Because you that was get their name right. Or effectively wildly, wildly effective. Effectively wild invited us on. But I think... You know, part of that is because the Padres' story of debt reduction became a small part of the larger picture of the baseball offseason. So I think there was... It, it was a perfect storm. It was a perfect storm. Yeah, it was. So, And I'm not going to say I didn't see it and, and capitalize on it to, to push our message. I, well, would, we I the, would say more effectively, but I don't have any power alone. The power is with all of the people that took the same message. Mm-hmm. I think consistently reiterating it. I mean, when we recorded the podcast with the Chandler here in your house earlier this offseason... And we sort of at first glossed over Harper or Machado and said, "All right, who else should we sign?" And I said, "No, like those should be the those are the reasonable target." I think consistently not, a target, not expectation. Yeah, I think, I think not it. instantly dismissing it as being, "Oh, the Padres won't do that." I think that's that, that. To me, that was kind of important. I think the mentality of Padres fans changed from, "Oh no, maybe we'll sign," you know, uh, Mustakis, Mustakis for a year, and or hey, two we'll and, be better than we were before with yeah. Mustakis, right? Yeah, but that you know, that's that's the same old Padres. Yeah, that's that's and, getting the eleventh pick in the draft, Padres, right. right there. Yeah, and that's what AC told us. Like I went back and read the article he put out the day after the finance article, mm-hmm. the, the apologetic one, where he's like, "Hey guys, just wait till twenty twenty two. There's all these free agents coming." Mm-hmm. Where he actually wrote in there about how you know the team's actually more taken with Nolan Arenado and waiting for next year. Like it, <laughs> it aged. It couldn't have aged worse <laughs> in one month. But that's where we were at. Yeah. And it was important to change that message. And I think the important thing for Padres fans is to know that they have power and that the Padres aren't the only message. Mm -hmm. We have our own message and Mm -hmm. it has influence and power. Mm -hmm. We don't need the credit. Like I'm not, I'm not paying part of Machado's salary directly. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm not signing checks. Give, give that to Ron Fowler. Yeah. You know, kudos to the best ownership group in Padres history. Yeah, by far. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. But I don't think there's a problem with fans, you know, giving themselves some butt pats for uh, no, for I don't think so either. Going out on limb and expressing their opinions. No, I don't think I don't think the time we've spent was worthless. I think it's what it comes down to. So it's made me feel feel good. Um, and like I said, and I, we see I don't it even today. care. Like we're right. we're at this point now. Like I'm just we all watched a spring training game in the today. Glory of Manny. I know. I unleashed my archive of new boner gifs today. They, my favorite one was the cat one. That was a good one. The cat one's a good one. Yeah, yeah that one's, one's one. just an image, not a gif. Yeah, I thought I had some really good. I thought I had some really good ones. You didn't like the guy, uh, the mummy that ejaculates fire and and vaporizes what? How people. Did I miss this one. No, that, I, that I one sounds amazing. Today. Yeah, I, I unleashed mummy. quite a bit of the archive today. Mummy, to, wait, Peter Seiler just posted on Twitter, which I think people should probably get ready for because I'll be reusing those many times this spring training as well as this season. But I, I think the point is, we all watched a spring training game today and were massively excited as if this was. Game 163 in 2007. And that's – just imagine the alternate universe history if they had not signed Machado and we were sitting here, you know, and a spring training game is on. And it's like, well, at least it's baseball, right? <laughs> like, I guess baseball's back and we have that to look forward to. Like, that's where yeah. we usually are at. And so I think I think everything's everything's really looking great, right? The level of optimism is unmatched. Yeah, it, it really is unmatched. And uh, yeah. It's just a great, great time to be a fan. It really is. After all that years of su- all those years of suffering, seriously, the, so much boredom and wasted time. Uh, it's refreshing to talk baseball actually, and just only. I mean, we're talking ownership and stuff because we're 
basically end capping what was a very long period of talking almost exclusively about off the field stuff. But yeah, to get to focus on which sixth outfielder we should keep if we sign Bryce Harper is an incredible change of of tone for for Padres podcast. I'm I'm very grateful. So yeah, hopefully yeah. <laughs> let's see how it goes through the season because usually something pops up. <laughs> yeah, things will things will be a powder keg again. Yeah, but yeah. We'll for see. now, for it now, I'm be better. I'm going for it with a little bit of optimism, and then we'll we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that, yeah, let's let's be optimistic on Bryce Harper going forward. I am. I, I that's why I said it's about 20%. You okay. know, I I I see some exotic It's just weird to me that he's not signed. And so that to me that means that maybe there is a a way that it works. So we'll see. But um yeah, but until next time, go Padres. Go Padres.